Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. This Shabbat, the shir dedicated to Shmuel Yaakov and Moshe, to Ephraim, to Flipa, to Jeanette Bas Ibrahim, who we finished Kaddish for this week, and Shmuel Yaakov actually is finishing Kaddish this week as well, this coming week. Dorit Bas Moshe Levi. The Shabbos, Pashas Vayera, not to be confused with Pashas Vayera. Pashas Vayera, very action-packed Pasha, starting with Avram's visit from Akadosh Baruch Hu, with the birth of Yitzchak, destruction of Sedaim. A lot happens in this parsha. Try to focus, and of course, the mainstay focus would be on Akedas Yitzchok, where Avram Avinu brings Yitzchok to be sacrificed. The parsha takes place on the third day after the Bismillah of Avram Avinu. Why the third day? And we'll discuss that Me'at Hashem as well. But here it is on the third day, and Avram Avinu is in pain, because the most painful part, most painful time, is after the third, on the third day after the surgery. In the Chesidish circles, there's a special day, special Suda, that's made on Shlisha Lamila, the third day after the bris. It's on this third day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, having pity on Avram Avinu, being in pain like this, third day after his circumcision at 99 years old, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes the sun out of its shade, so that there no be, be no passerbys, no people wandering in the desert, from the intense, intense heat, and Avram is sitting himself by the doorway of his tent. Now, different reasons, of course. Medically speaking, he was sitting in the sun because the sun is healing. But the Pasuk tells us he was sitting and looking for passerbys. Sitting and looking for guests to serve. Atlanta's having a hard time getting in here. Atlanta is in the house. Okay. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to be Mevakir Choyle. He comes to visit the sick. And as he comes to visit the sick, Avram Avinu is entertaining HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They are sitting and talking. 
when suddenly Vayiso Einov Vayar, he lifts up his eyes, Avraham. Obviously, he's talking to Akadosh Baruch Hu, his face is down, humbled. He lifts up his eyes and sees Shlesha Noshim Nitzav Malov. Three men, three people are going. Vayar, he saw this. Vayarots, they crossed him and he ran towards them. This is how our Pasha starts off. Where Akadish Baruchu visiting Meshir Abenu, Avram Avinu, I'm sorry. And the three guests come by. Rashi tells us from the Medish Chazal, if you keep me scored home, the Gemara about Metzia, Pei Vov Amid Beis, 86 I 2, explains this to the third day of his bris, and how the Gekadish Baruchu took out, like we said before, Chama Minartika, Vartika. So he should not be troubled. But yet, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends him these three angels in the form of people. As soon as he sees them, he jumps up, as we said, and he goes to greet the guests. Tells us another Gemara, if he can be scored home, Gemara Shabbos, Kuf Chov Zayin Amr Aleph, 127, side 1. And the Yomar Shabbos tells us, Mikan Lamdu Chazal, from here we learn out, Shegidein Lachnas Aserichim Mehakabolas Pnei It's greater to welcome guests, to host guests, than to sit and talk with the Shechina, to have Kabolas Pnei <laughs> A wonderful thing. And the proof is, we say, Avram Avinu left Pnei Ashkina to go greet the guests. So the simple question is, they weren't people. If they weren't even people, they were angels, and angels can't eat anyway, they can't drink anyway, they don't sleep anyway, so what kind of guests is he hosting? They made believe they were eating. They didn't eat. All that Avram Vina was running around and preparing, they didn't eat. And for this, he leaves HaKadosh Baruch It's not according to the din. HaKnosos Erchim, if he had guests, and he was greeting the guests. Okay. This was not real. So in that case, what right did he have to leave HaKadosh Baruch? You want to tell me that maybe Avram didn't realize and thought they were really people and therefore he had to go get them. I'm talking about Avram Avinu here. You're not talking about some slouch sitting around. It's on every tzaddik it says, Leunah the tzaddik kalovin. A tzaddik doesn't come into any sins. 
so much more so, one of our forefathers, Avraham Avinu, the first of the forefathers, it says about him, Hein Hein Merkava, says about the Ovis. This is the Merkava. They're like the godliness of itself, the Merkava of God. Where do they come off to do sins? So you're telling me here though that he sinned because he left Kabbalah's Pereshkina in order to go serve non-guests. First of all, off the record, he served the Malachim, he serves these angels meat and milk. And they eat them both. Officially. They consume both. And we hear later the Medish tells us that when Moshe Rabbeinu went up the Maila to get the Teda, and the angels came screaming and complaining, who's this person, why is he taking our Teda? And HaKadosh Baruch tells Moshe to answer them, HaKadosh Baruch Moshe says to them, excuse me. One of the things he says, excuse me, uh, you were in the world for a few minutes, and you couldn't refrain from eating milk and meat together. Where do you come to Tera? You're not, you're not in the league of Tera. Literally, a few short minutes, you're eating milk and meat together. I mean, he also asked them, where, where are you going to fit into Kabbalah Sevich Honor your mother and father. I mean, you're going to have a difficult time doing that as well. But one of the mainstay questions was the eating by Avraham Avinu. So, the, in essence, there was some consumption here officially, enough to be later on a ploy for Meshur Avinu. But where does it come off that Avraham Avinu leaves God to do something that's not ultimately a mitzvah? We know that the others were Mekayim Kola Terakula Nitna. They did, they completed and did all the mitzvahs before Matan even. So we need to understand what mitzvahs the others actually did, what connotation did it have in comparison to the mitzvahs we do today after Matan we take today a parchment and we make from this a mezuzah or tefillin. This parchment becomes holy. When we give food or drink to a guest, this is part of the mitzvah of Achnas And therefore the food has takes on a sanctity, a holiness. Whereas the forefathers didn't have the strength to do this. They didn't have the capability of making a physical entity something spiritual. It all remained spiritually speaking. Erchi, nafshi. So even the forefathers that did do their mitzvahs physically. The only reason they were done is because they paved the road for the children thereafter so that when we do the mitzvahs, 
these mitzvahs then have a substantiality. In order to give us reward and merit and strength to do the mitzvahs, our forefathers did the mitzvahs, preceded us with these mitzvahs. But they didn't have any sanctity in the actual physical world. They couldn't turn something physical into something holy. So therefore, generally what our forefathers did, (coughs) mitzvah-wise, was beruchnius, spiritually speaking. Their main intention was beruchnius. It was not the actual outcome of the action. So therefore, in our case, that the main thing, on, on the other hand, our case, where the main thing is the outcome, the physical outcome, of what it affects and how it affects the world. For example, after Martin Taylor, and make sure the doors unlocked because the runner is going to come and stop banging the doors on. After Martin Taylor, when a Jew has intention on putting on tefillin with his tefillin, if chas v'shalom, one letter in the tefillin is puzzle, he didn't do the mitzvah. Whereas by our forefathers, there was no such situation. It was all spirituality. It was the feeling and the intentions of the person. So if they had in mind to put on tefillin, it was brought down in Zaya as well, by Yaakov in later with the makalis, with the sticks, this is the concept of tefillin. By having the proper intentions, they were makayim the entire mitzvah. Even though the mitzvah itself did not happen physically in the world. So therefore the mainstay pro- issue here was what was it how to understand what Avram did with Achnas HaSerchem. The fact that these were not people but they were rather angels This was less valuable for Avram because it was not a mitzvah that he did bigashmias. It wasn't physical because they did not eat or drink. But Avram acted according to Din when he left Hakadosh Baruch Hu. because his concept of achnasa seirchim was done to the fullest, utmost level. He did what he could. And with his hergish and his kavanas, there was no issue. However, after Matantena, we no longer have only the hergish to do a mitzvah, we need to actually do the physical mitzvah, Therefore, nowadays, it's more valuable the intentions 
of the, the, more valuable than the intentions and the feelings is the actual physical doing of the mitzvah. But in the days of Ramavino, this was the full mitzvah. This wasn't a problem. But again, the question comes about. And throws it back in our face, although we said that it only had to be Ruchnius. How did we know Gedela Achnas Asarachim Mechabalos Bnei Ashkenah? Why? Because Avram Avinu proved it to us. Avram Avinu showed it to us. But the question is, how did he know? How did he know that Gedela Achnas Asarachim Mechabalos Bnei Ashkenah? And that he re- runs and leaves Akadish Baruch Hu. Abraham's conclusion that it was permissible and that therefore was because in the midst of all this he saw that God, what God went through great lengths to make sure that nobody disturbs him and then nobody be out. And nobody was able to brave the weather. So he noticed what God did to the weather patterns. So he wondered. If guests were to come, what would happen? But it wasn't possible. Nobody was going back and forth. Nobody was walking around. So the fact that he saw people walking and a mitzvah of Achnas Yisrochim presented itself, this gave him the proof that this is actually a greater mitzvah. And therefore, he was able to leave Pnei Ashkenah. Mm-hmm. Stories told the Alter Rebbe Sure, can't come out. Okay, no, it's right here. The bowing down of yesteryear was not in service of Aved Zara, and the proof of the pudding is that Avramovino throws himself into the fire not to serve idol worship. The bowing down was more of a respect, showing the person 
they should feel that he honors them and he respects them. And he's not scorning them. He's not saying, oh no, another guest. Like a lot of, a lot of us do. Many of us look at a new guest and say, Ay vey, another guest. Oh no, not you. Um, here you've cleaned off the table. And everything is, had actually, a few months ago, there was a little problem in 770. There was something going on. Somebody was there. After davening, it was causing a, a rogus. So a few bachrim stuck around to make sure this person wasn't, God forbid, something serious to trouble. I don't know what these brave boys thought they were going to do, but they were there. And they stayed long and long and longer until finally the police came and took the fellow away. At that point, the bachrim went to the yeshiva kitchen to eat to eat this the Shabbos. Much to their chagrin, there was nothing left to eat. So, one of the Bakram said, there was five boys, one of the Bakram said to them, there's only one place we can go now to eat. So here we had cleaned up everything, we put everything away ready, and the five hungry, starving boys came into the house and said, they told us the story, there's nothing to eat in yeshiva anymore. So everything came out again and they were served. Baruch Hashem, nobody said, get out of here, what are you thinking, what are you doing? I had a story 30 years ago. No, more than 30 probably, 32, 33 years ago. It was Shavuz night, And Rabbi Yitzchak Kogan, the Rebbe referred to him as the Tzaddik from Leningrad, had gone, on t- he was here from New- in New York for Shavuz, and he went for Ta'alucha, like people used to go to shuls, to speak in shuls, he went to a far-fetched end of Brooklyn called Seagate. And he went, he spoke in the shul there, whatever he did, and he was walking with one of his balichuvah, and it was a humid Shavuos night. And it was almost 2 o'clock in the morning, this poor fellow had finally returned back to Crown Heights. And he was barely walking up Kingston Avenue, and I had come outside to take out the garbage that from the Sudha or whatever. And I see him coming, and I say, the Yitzchok! He looked horrible. He was sweating. He was drained. And I said, Where are you coming from? She tells me, Talucha, Seagate. I said, Have you made Kiddush? He says, Not yet. I said, So where are you going to go? At that time, by the way, he was a big celebrity. He's still a celebrity. He was a big celebrity in Karnites. Now all the big people used to invite him into meals. A schnook like me wasn't inviting him, although he was always, for some reason, very friendly to me. I too was a young fellow. I said, no, no, no. I said, where are you going to make kiddush? I don't know. He said, I'll go to 770. I'll find Mr. Thomas some wine, a challah, and I'll have something. I said, how can you say that? Yeah, it's 2 o'clock in the, in the morning. I said, come, 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 you have to come upstairs. So I brought him upstairs to my apartment. 
I told my wife, I didn't tell her who he was. Just said, this Yid came back now, he and this other fellow. And they're coming back, they don't even have what to eat, where to eat, anything else. What are they? So we took everything out again, we warmed up whatever had to be warmed up. And he sat down to eat. Needless to say, he didn't have much of an appetite. Whatever he could eat, he ate, he drank. The main thing was that he needed to hydrate his body. Years later, my son was in camp in, in Leningrad. And they were going to for a Shabbos to Moscow. But where do you go in Moscow? He, nobody, he didn't have anybody. Not that he knew that he had anybody. Um, where to stay, where to eat. But they were going for Shabbos to Moscow. That was the schedule. So I sent a message with somebody, through somebody, there's no WhatsApp then, to the Yitzchak, that my son is coming. Have Yitzchak himself stopped his whole work day, busy day, and I think picked up my son, or arranged to pick up my son from the train station, and his Shabbos table is also 20-25 feet long, and it's full, 50-60 people each meal, and he took my young son, 19-20 years old, to sit next to him in the front, at the head of the table. And he stood up and he said to them, Rabbi Isai, I gotta tell you, everybody looks at my table and says, oh, I'm such a great host and everything else. A great host. This boy's father and mother are great hosts. And he told everybody the story of how he was never dropping dead of hunger and thirst. And I stopped everything, we brought him into the house. And we took everything out again. He, he was never ever forget it, and he never ever finished paying it back as far as he's concerned. Not tooting my horn, Chassid I'm just telling you what typical Achnasus Sarechim in our neighborhood is like. We talk about lifting up your eyes and seeing three people. First, Lubavitch Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe, was about eight years old. He really showed, displayed tremendous, tremendous brilliance. And he wrote a Pirish on the Torah, which incorporated Rashi, Eben Ezra, and the Ramban. He wrote this explanation, this commentary on the entire Torah. When he was ten, he had a very frightening dream. He was sitting in the side room in the shul in the Yajna. He was learning. And in came a fellow who was called Abruvim Balshem. And Abruvim Balshem told him he's being called to a dintera. And he took him into the next room, and there were three old people sitting there formidable people. Sorry, they were standing on the side. By the table, there were three people as a bezden sitting, <coughs> their faces completely covered by the talisim. And the middle person called over the Alter Rebbe. And Abruvin went with him. And he stood in front of the three skenim. And Dayanamu in the talis. And as Kainim, the elders were in white clothes. 
And the middle Dayan turned to the Altarebbe and said to him, These three old people in the white clothes are Rashi, Evan Ezra, and Ramban. And they have a complaint. Since you wrote your commentary, nobody wants to learn theirs. Nobody will learn theirs. Because they'll take everything from your commentary. He had nothing to say in his defense. He started to cry. And he promised, I'll burn it if you want. They placed their hands on the al head. And they blessed him that he should be matzliach in his learning. He should be mechadish kedushet in the way of Aveda, Aveda Hashem. And tens and hundreds of thousands of people will follow him generations after generations after generations till be as Gael Tzedek. When he woke up from the dream, he didn't know what to do. He was very depressed. Should I burn my commentary or not? Was it a true dream or not? Well, the next few nights, this dream came back twice. So he had no choice. And he stood up, and he, he took and he burnt his commentary that he had written. Stand in front of three people. Question. Not a question. I'll cite you a medrash. It's in Bereshit's Rabbah. And the Medrash tells us there was a very interesting dispute. It took place between Yitzchak and Yishmoel. And they were arguing. One said, my bris milah is better than yours. And one said, mine was better than yours. I had mine at 13, says Yishmael, and Yitzhak said, I had mine at 8 days old. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) Nimalti l'shleisha sishana. It's more valuable, simply speaking, says Yishmael. I could have said no, and I didn't. I agreed to it. I was at full mind. I was a 13-year-old boy already. In that case, what was the greatness of Yitzchak at 8 days old, not having anything to say about it, not knowing what was coming off? How could he have said that his was more valuable than Ishmael's? Elamai, Farshim tell us, commentaries tell us, Mitzvah b'shaita odif. A mitzvah done in the right time is more valuable. When is the right time for a bismillah? Eight days old. And therefore, the eight-day-old bris was more valuable than the 13-year-old. Because it was a mitzvah b'shaita. But this doesn't sit. Fact is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not 
say that the Bismillah should happen until Avram was 99 and Yishmael was 13. So there was no mitzvah b'shaita at 8 days old. When Yishmael was 8 days old, there was no mitzvah to have it on the 8th day of bris. Only when? Only when he was 13. That became the shaita for his mitzvah, the time. Because if we look back in history, Avraham Avinu's bris took place either in Kippur, according to some, or the first or second day Pesach. It's the first day Pesach. On Yom Tif. Regardless, you keep Pesach right now. The problem, the thing is that it was on Yom Tif. And we know that a mitzvah, that mila, a bris, can only be on Shabbos and Yom Tif if that is the eighth day. If a baby was born any other day, and Shabbos and Yom Tif are not the eighth day, then the bris cannot be on that Shabbos or Yom Tif. However, Avram Avinu's bris was on Yom Tif. And Avram Avinu, as we said before, was Mikhaim Kolatera Kulachli Nitna. He did the, he kept the whole mit, the whole Tera. So since at that point he was commanded to do so, therefore, this was the, the Mila Bismana. That's why he was able to do it on Yom Tov, because this one he was commanded, and therefore this became the entity of Zmana, of the right, the correct time. No. <laughs> and even more. The concept of the Mitzvah B'Shaita Adif is only a separate, a special concept in Kiyom Mitzvahs with the time of the Mitzvah. But how could we compare Mitzvah B'Shaita to the Maila of Milas Yishmol? He had a special Maila in this Mitzvah. Because he could have said no and he didn't. And that's why he's telling Yitzhak, mine was more important. Mine was more valuable. By the way, if you know any teachers that want to do something interesting they might want to take this whole concept and make a debate team about it two teams one is Yitzchak one is Shmuel each one try to present their case who's actually more important but back to the actual concept so we need to say Nimu B'Shemeni Yomim is not only a prat in the mitzvah, not only a one pointer of the mitzvah that it's in time, but this is the essence of the mitzvah milah. It comes into the entire echus of the mitzvah, becomes the entity of the mitzvah becomes stronger than the fact that it's on the eighth day. The Chazal tell us. On Shia Shirim Rabbah, 
Adam Rishon Mitzvah Sheven Mitzvahs. Adam Rishon had was commanded seven mitzvahs. Neach Nitesif Le'Evim Menachai. Neach added Evim Menachai that did not eat from the live organ, live limbs. And Avram added Mila. But Yitzchak Chonchol Lishmei Neyamim. Yitzchak was the first one to have the bris on eight days, and therefore he was mechanech, the concept of bris on the eighth day. Can we do what today? I don't understand your question. Can we do what today? Atlanta, you got me confused. Cheda, why is the Medish dividing this up? Mitzvah's Mila in two concepts. The command that was done to Avram and the Chonchel Yamim, the the coronation on the eighth day which is done through Yitzhak. Avram Avinu's bris was a bris. And ultimately we said, okay, in time and everything else. But Yitzhak opened the concept of eight days. Therefore the chinuch of the mitzvah milah Has it takes on a, do, a new dimension here, even more so. That it becomes an extra entity over the midst of Evan Achai. So we see, therefore, that the eighth day, the concept of Bismana, and on the eighth day, uh, you want to call Morty and tell him you're home, and he's outside. Uh, you can give him. The, you can bring it out to him to check. <coughs> the concept of the eighth day does something extra for the mitzvah mila. Let us perhaps try to open up this case. According to the pasuk, what was the Indian, What was the idea of the brismila? Should be a covenant, covenant between my in your flesh for all generations to come. It's a perpetual mitzvah between Jews and God. So, just like the cutting of the bris between two friends. When two friends make a pact, they want to make a covenant. They want to say, we are us forever. We do not falter. We do not have let anything get in between us. And therefore, our pact that we will make, we'll shake hands on it. Stop shaking the table. You're killing my computer. We'll shake hands on it. We'll hug on it. Whatever it might be. So yeah, it remains a pact, 
but it wears out. It could wear off. But when it comes to Chris's bris between a person who is a creation which and, and, and a fellow creation that could dissipate. But between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Bnei Yisrael the bris that was done the, the, the actual circumcision this remained bris oilam, perpetual. There's no change. And this is one of the explanations why Avram Vinu didn't do this until he was told by God, even though that he kept the entire Teda, because the creation being something that changes and alters himself cannot do something that will be perpetual. Only how can something become perpetual? When it's a command from God. And therefore we understand that the mitzvah b'rismila is b'katnes k'tnusay l'shmeniyam. When a child is eight days old. And he can't partake in this at all. Except that he is made to bleed. Something that a person does on his own volition he's prepared and he can do it Mashenki when it comes to bris which was done when the child was no say in the matter this is something that lasts forever and ever Although it's performed by a person, but it remains within the person, within the person, Bris Adam. It's not the person becomes bond with God, the opposite. God becomes bound to the person. So therefore there's no reason to wait until the child gets older and can participate in the bris. Adraba, the first opportunity when the child is old enough and healthy enough to do so, on the eighth day, this is when the bris has to take place. And this is therefore the greatness of Yitzchak, that was the first one for Shemini Yomim, and this is greater even than Avram Avinu and Yishmol, who had it in later years, and they could have disagreed, they could have pushed off. So what's it all about? What's self-sacrifice really about? Avram Avinu did many things in his life. He was tested ten ways. The ultimate test, Take your son, and he asks, and he asks, and he gets answered, and it comes out, Yitzchok, take him and bring him 
as a sacrifice. It's the tenth test. If you keep your score at home, the Gemara, Sanhedrin Peites Amid Beis, 89, side 2. I tested you in many tests, says the Gemara, Avakalish Balachu tells Avram, and you succeeded in all. Achshav, I might leave in a science stand with this test. This will prove to everyone, those who will say, You're holding a Sanhedrin, there we go. Okay. You can open to the page. 89, side 2. Page 10, some of the days. This will prove to the world and not give them any leeway to say the first ones were not real. Shocking. Avram Avinu stood by three, stood by nine tests. Bagishtan. Why would anyone say they were not real? The the Sayyid, sorry, in in Urukazdim, he throws himself into a burning furnace. It's as big as it gets. How is that not bigger than the Akeda? Although God didn't command him to do so. The Akeda, God commanded him to do so. So therefore we start now to understand the main point of the Akedah. That because of this Akedah called Karen Yisrael Uzchusam Lefnei Aviyem Shabashamayim The Barbanel writes All the merits and the greatness of the Jews <coughs> were brought before our Father in Heaven their father in heaven. Unfortunately, Rabbi Isai, there are many people in which we can say, one may say for the belief in God. Today, Rabbi Whiteman in Brazil did a bar mitzvah on a Brazilian-born Holocaust survivor. Figure that one out. He was born in Brazil and his father for business moved to India and ultimately they went to Hungary to be with the grandparents and there they were taken off to a concentration camp he was in Auschwitz and the entire family perished there somehow he survived he was, I don't know the number exactly, I believe this is, he was like 16, 17 years old and weighed like 27 pounds when they saved him. When they rescued him from Auschwitz. And today he finally had his bar mitzvah that he had never had. And he stood proudly in the shul in Brazil putting on tefillin and announcing, this is my revenge against Hitler and Mach Shemayi 
So there are many times, many Jews that were Mason Nefesh sacrificed their lives. What is Sirius Nefesh? Sirius Nefesh is when a person sacrifices their comfort. They could stay in a five-star hotel, but there's a shaila on Shabbos of perhaps the Bichil Shabbos. Instead, they stay in a two-star hotel to avoid any ways of Chil Shabbos where they don't have to take an elevator and where the doors are not electronic, etc., 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 whatever it might have been. This, to an extent, to a level, is Messias Nefesh. Especially if there are people that are used to staying in five-star hotels. These are people that are wealthy and that are capable and they like their accommodations to be the way they should be. But they downgrade their accommodations to go stay somewhere not to be Mechal Shabbos. This is a level of Mesidus Nefesh. You have abnegation to your comforts. There are times a person allows themselves to be killed for Mesidus Nefesh. To become famous. Let everybody know that I did this. Let it be known. <coughs> I'd rather die in fame than live in, 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 in infamy. <coughs> it's not called Mr. Snefesh. person can also choose death over other types of trials and tribulations. He'd rather be in Elam Haba than Elam Haza. They want him to change his religion. which is worse than life. So he says, I'd rather die. Person, all his life is entrenched in Amuna, in belief and faith And you want to change his faith. You want to minimize it. And for that he sacrifices himself. Eh. The test of Urkazdim where Avram Avinu was told to serve idols and he threw himself into the furnace rather than serve idols. is on that level. 
everyone knew Avram believed in God. The entire world, everybody knew about it. Everybody knew that he denied Avedi Zarah. And he carried the, the flag of belief in God. One God. To tell him now that you'll have to decline everything and you'll have to push everything away that you built all your life, your entire belief in life, and now serve another God, Chatzashon? Nah. To die for that, it's not real Mesidus Nefesh. It doesn't have any proper substantiality. The Akedah in turn, this is a whole new, a whole new twist. When he was still in Urkazdim, he sanctified God's name. Everybody saw his Mesiris Nefesh. But when it came to the Akedah, it was him and Yitzchak alone. Nobody knew what he was going through here. Nobody was cheering him on and nobody was screaming, him, screaming at him to stop. <coughs> Needless to say, if people were cheering him on, it might give him more strength to do it. And then again, if you're stubborn enough and people are screaming at you, stop, stop, you might have more strength to continue going also. But there was nobody here. By your custom, he made a Kiddush Hashem. Everybody saw what was going on. By the Akedah, nobody was here. More so, Avram had built an empire. Which is a question in itself. What happened to the empire? Who was going to inherit this empire? Yitzchak. He had no other heir to the crown, to the throne. By killing Yitzchak, he's killing everything he built. Everything he worked for all his life will be going down the drain, down the tubes. This was touching his essence. This was what was lacking here. But Avraham Avinu, to agree to such a sacrifice, to bring his son as a sacrifice, it wasn't just his beautiful nature that was following God and doing mitzvahs. This is against everything he stood for. He was destroying everything that he had ever built. Therefore, this is where Messias Nefesh is revealed. This is where his true abnegation comes about. Unconditionally. Without any kind of fanfare. This is his ultimate connection to God that he was willing to give up his entire essence, physical, spiritual, everything. This is called Mesiris Nefesh. 
And this mysterious nefesh is what we inherit from God, from Avram. The able, the capability, the capacity to attach ourselves to God unconditionally, with no boundaries, without any kind of any kind of reward, and not thinking about ourselves. This is the test of the Akeda that stands in our merit all our days. <laughs> they say in Rosh Hashanah there's three miracles. One miracle happens to the Jews. One miracle happens, happens to the Sultan. And one miracle happens, happens to God. The Jews have a miracle that prior to reading Prior to, blow, prior to blowing the shofar, we read Kapitel Lam Natsayach seven times. Could you imagine if we'd have to read chapter 119 seven times? We'd never get out of Shul. We have to read Kufi forget it. So we have a miracle. The miracle happens to the Sultan. The Sultan doesn't want the Shafer to be blown. So he sticks himself into the Shafer. But the Shafer part that's, a vi- that's visible is the wider part. So he's able to get in there a little bit. Because we blow from the small part. But can you imagine we blew the opposite way? And he'd have to squeeze into the small part, he would choke. So he has his miracle. And the miracle that God has is an entire Rosh Hashanah in the Tfilis, in the Kriyas HaTeda, we talk about Akedas Yitzchak. And we talk about how God owes us big time for the sacrifice of Avram and Yitzchak. And he didn't even kill Yitzchak. Can you imagine if he would have killed him? <laughs> He'd never live it down. So he had his miracle. But the essence of the actual Akedah, the fact that he carries out, even though he doesn't actually kill Yitzchak, but he does everything that he did to the sheep, he did Tachaz Benoi, instead of his son. He shechted the sheep, said this instead of shechting my son. He sprayed the blood, instead of spraying my son's blood. It's that everything that he did, the burning and everything else that, and therefore Yitzchak was considered an Eilat Tmimah, he was actually considered as a Karbin and this Mesiris Nefesh gives us the inheritance that we should have ultimately the Bracha that it should be Mekuyim, B'Melua fully, the Gerula Amitnes Vashtema Yedei Mashiach Tadkenu, B'Karev Mamesh, in our days and Pashvayeda we shouldn't cry and say, why to, why to Avram did he appear and not to us? Because HaKadosh Baruch should appear to each and every one of us. Shabbat Shalom to all.